This is Report Back, the San Francisco chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America podcast. This is a praxis-centered podcast where we talk about the tactics and strategies of winning socialism with the organizers who plan and implement them. I'm Darby, member of the DSA San Francisco chapter, and today we're talking with Avery about some of the mutual aid projects that are happening in response to the coronavirus. Avery, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Avery. I'm an aide to Supervisor Dean Preston. I'm a Democratic Socialist, and I'm excited to tell you about the hand sanitizer project. Right on. And as always, we like to ask, uh, can you briefly talk about how you got started with socialist organizing? Yeah, um, so I got involved in local politics when I was 17, um, and that was David Compos's campaign. And at the time, I, I thought that that was going to be my um, my sort of last political experience, I suppose. And I I think due to a love of San Francisco and just seeing um, so many people get displaced from the city, um, I I absolutely could not leave. And and I got connected with Dean. Um, and worked on his campaign in 2016. Um, and I think that there are so many issues like um, housing and healthcare um, that to me are just basic human rights. And to me, it just seemed like common sense. Yeah. So what's going on with the hand sanitizer stuff? Yeah. So um, I think it was about a month ago, um, someone named Abrar Abidi, who is a DSA member um, and a UC Berkeley scientist, um, reached out to me. And basically, I get all of the District 5 office calls directly to my phone. So I get a lot of calls all day um, since we've been working from home during shelter in place. And he basically told me that he was producing gallons and gallons of the World Health Organization formula for hand sanitizer. Um, And I didn't really know what to make of it in the beginning, but he kept talking and, and we talked a lot about our sort of shared perspective that the city just simply wasn't doing enough for unhoused people um, and our concern for, for homeless folks living um, in congregate settings and shelters um, who just do not have access to um, whether it's clean soap and water or hand sanitizer or the ability to even socially distance from each other. Um, and long story short, he delivered tons and tons of hand sanitizer to my house. Um, and in just a couple weeks, I recruited my housemates to start sourcing bottles and bottle hand sanitizer, and we started distributing it to homeless shelters across the city. Um, And I just want to give a huge shout out to Harvey and June from the Homelessness Committee because they were really crucial in coordinating the whole effort with shelters. but yeah, and, and over the last month or so, we've delivered to homeless shelters, to muni operators, to county jails, to encampments. Um, and most recently, we delivered to public housing residents. And I think right now we're at about, um, we've delivered about 200 gallons, and that's about 7,000 little individual bottles. Um, but yeah, my, my garage right now looks 
it looks like Breaking Bad, um, but I know Jen Snyder always calls it Breaking Good, so I'll go with that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Breaking Good, indeed. Um, yeah. Uh, so do you have any other thoughts that you want to share about the project, uh, just generally how it's been going and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think sort of what one thing that's given me a lot of hope about the project and just organizing with DSA, SF in general is um, it's just felt like at the drop of the hat of a hat, there are so many people that are willing to step up and and take care of their neighbors. Um, And I think for me, um, the story is not just about the hand sanitizer. It's about responding to very, very urgent need for basic human rights when the city just isn't quick enough. Um, and I know like working in, in Dean Preston's office um, is something I'm proud of too, because I feel like the, the brand of our office is of course to fight like hell for things inside of city hall. Um, but personally, I think just providing mutual aid for people and being able to to help someone immediately um, gives me a lot of fulfillment. And and I have loved working with all the other organizers who have who have been a part of this. Uh, I wasn't going to ask this uh, before, but it just occurred to me that um, this is uh, just like another example of uh, deans and um, some other like supervisors kind of having to go outside of the city to try to provide resources for um, for folks. Um, I'm thinking of the um, the project, the pilot uh, project to get folks off of uh, the streets and out of the shelters and into hotels for proper quarantining. Uh, is that something you want to mm-hmm. talk about right now? Um, I, you know, it's totally fair beca- if you don't want to, because um, we didn't talk about it before. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would love to speak to that. Um, I think that that's an example of how all of these things are interconnected. Like, like I said before, I feel like this isn't about simply just hand sanitizer, but sort of um, some of the failures of the city to react quick enough. Um, and I keep hearing this sort of phrase where people say the virus doesn't discriminate. And sure, it doesn't discriminate in terms of who gets it. But I mean, along socioeconomic and racial lines, it absolutely discriminates and it's impacting people who um, were already struggling before we were in a global pandemic. Um, And I think something that our office has been fighting really hard for is just calling attention to the fact that um, that specifically unhoused people are not being cared for by the city in the way that they should. And um, yeah, like I said before, um, we, we fight for that inside City Hall, but I think as a socialist and someone who is from um, an organizing background, I always love opportunities to be able to do that outside of City Hall, too, because I think both are so incredibly important. Yeah, fantastic. So if uh, DSASF members want to get involved, uh, what are some things they can do? Yeah, I mean, one thing that they can do is we just always are in need of these little four ounce spray bottles. So if anyone has any leads for that or likes to do Internet research on that, that would be super helpful. I know I've um, recruited everyone possible to help me with it, including my mom, who's 
very good at <laughs> researching things on the internet. Um, that's one way. Um, we also are setting up a centralized distribution kind of donation center to run mutual aid projects out of in District 5. It's it's called Redemption Church, and it's right on the corner of McAllister and Divisadero. Um, but we're always looking for people to, if you have a car um, and you want to help us do deliveries, we always need help um, delivering things from that church to shelters or to whoever we're, we're delivering hand sanitizer to. Um, so that's another way. Um, and then if you, um, if you would like to also, we have a GoFundMe, which is how we've been paying for all of these bottles. Um, and that would be a helpful thing to do if, if you have a couple bucks to throw our way. Yeah. Is there anything else before we, we hop off the call? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to give a little shout out. I know that we're not the only hand sanitizer project in town. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to Jamal Truelove and Alina, who I know are working on getting hand sanitizer to folks who need it. And just want to say great job for all of their incredible work. Yeah, right on. Um, cool. Well, thank you, Avery. Um, and bye for now. Bye. Bye-bye. Just like Avery said, um, they're not the only hand sanitizer game in town. So we also talked to uh, Elena from our Justice Committee uh, to share what's going on uh, with their mutual aid efforts. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Elena Kostanowska. Um, I'm a graduate student at UCSF um, in, in biology, and I am also a member of DSA Justice. Um, and which is the Justice Working Group in DSA San Francisco. And I am also uh, a leader of the Science Policy Group at UCSF. Yeah, can you briefly talk about how you got started with socialist organizing? Yeah, uh, I think that I was probably radicalized around the time uh, of Bernie Sanders' first campaign. Uh, So in 2015, uh, I was phone banking for Bernie Sanders. Um, I lived near Rice University, uh, and eventually I got uh, and became part of this group of friends that were basically architects at Rice that thought a lot about uh, what does socialist housing policy look like. Uh, and so I started learning a lot about socialism, uh, you know, that it wasn't such a, you know, scary thing. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Russia, so my parents moved here and are obviously uh, kind of very, very against any sort of leftist notions. Uh, so it took me a little bit to come around. Um, and after that, I moved to New York briefly and then San Francisco, where I kind of wanted to put my my new like leftist perspective uh, into action. So I joined DSA San Francisco about a year ago. Um, I spent the first six months in DSA housing, um, after that, DSA housing kind of fell apart, and I also um, became uh, came on to Chase Boudin's campaign, who has previously identified as a socialist um, and is running as a decarceral district attorney. Um, and once I was on that campaign, I eventually also uh, joined DSA Justice once Chase got into office, and uh, I no longer had any work to do in that regard. So, and now I've been a member of DSA Justice since 
maybe last last November, right when uh, the election was over. Cool. So the DSASF Justice Committee is working with the Science Policy Group at uh, the University of California, San Francisco on a mutual aid project. So can you explain what the Science Policy Group is, you know, your relationship to it and what this mutual aid project is? Yeah. Uh, so the Science Policy Group at UCSF um, kind of has a milk toast description, which is that we are a group of trainees who are interested in uh, promoting engagement uh, with science policy, which means that policies that should be dictated by science, for example, how we respond to COVID-19, um, and also what are policies that ought to regulate science. For example, how long can we keep uh, an embryo in a dish before it's considered human, or can Monsanto use whatever chemicals they want um, in order to maximize crop production, things like that. So it's like, those are the two branches of things that we think about, and we mostly put on you know, events, workshops, um, and advocacy trips to Sacramento and Washington, D.C. to talk about whatever issues we choose to talk about and have expertise on um, as scientists. So that's the background of the science policy group. Um, we have recently, so at some point, we transitioned kind of from leadership uh, under Emma Powell uh, to me. Uh, and in that transition, I've taken some of my sort of like new leftist ideas. And so we become a non-hierarchical group. So we all refer ourselves to, refer to ourselves as the, the leader of the science policy group or a leader of the science policy group. It doesn't really matter. Um, we all see us as equal. We vote. Um, we actually have a lot of similar structures to DSA um, in terms of how we make decisions. Um, and that that's basically the summary of the science policy group. The work that we do with DSA Justice obviously comes from the fact that I'm a member of both. Um, so DSA Justice um, we, as soon as COVID-19 was hitting, the kind of first thought was, well, what are sanitation conditions like in, in jails and prisons, uh, and how are, in, are incarcerated populations going to be surviving? Um, and we immediately came to hand sanitizer, uh, especially because that was something that I knew that I could probably figure out how to do. Um, and so we went to steering, we got $2,000, um, so steering committee is well, this is for DSA, so everyone knows what the steering committee is. But we went to steering committee and we got $2,000 for producing uh, hand sanitizer for incarcerated populations in the Bay Area. So I went on to go produce uh, the first batch of hand sanitizer for San Quentin uh, and uh, potentially to doing for re doing refills in San Francisco jails. But uh, as soon as we had to produce 4000 for San Quentin, we realized that we actually needed like $4,300 to do so just to get up and running. Uh, and so we basically spent all the money DSA gave us. Um, and since then, we've expanded to, we've served San Quentin State Prison. We've done refills for San Francisco County Jails. We've provided them for new bottles for new arrestees, which really shouldn't be happening, but here we are. Uh, and we've provided a thousand bottles to San Mateo. Um, we are in talks with other prisons and jails, and by the time that this is all over, we're really hoping to have capacity to serve um, all the, the jails and prisons uh, in the Bay Area. Yeah, so I, I didn't realize that this project had, like, expanded outside of San Francisco. I think I had, like, known about the trip up to San Quentin, but I didn't know about the San Mateo trip. And, yeah, this is just, like, a really expansive thing. Um, so what's the... Um, what is the relationship to um, the state? Like, 
this feels like something that obviously should be done by like a functioning like government that cares about its incarcerated people like not dying about from this horrible disease um so yeah what are your thoughts around like you know regular people having to step up and do this instead yeah i think that mutual aid projects are great but that i shouldn't that we shouldn't have to be doing what we're doing right now uh i you know i absolutely think that this is the baseline role of the state to take care of people uh, and that includes people who are incarcerated. And I think there's, you know, obviously less of a tendency in, in socialist groups, but overall a tendency to to dehumanize people who are incarcerated. Um, we've actually come come across that when we were trying to source materials where people were like, you know, I'm not giving, let's say, ethanol to people for jails and prisons. I'll donate for frontline workers. Um, but for jails and prisons, I'll sell it to you at a dollar an ounce, which is, uh, that's insane. We pay about seven to nine dollars a gallon uh, for ethanol a gallon so uh, you know I think that's absolutely this is the role that the state should be doing I think it's you know pretty reprehensible that we're the ones doing it uh, I think the argument that they would make is that they would get to it eventually but you know the same argument isn't being made for all other kinds of communities and also you know people who are not incarcerated have been able to, to some extent you know buy hand sanitizer and use it for themselves. They also have access to hand washing, you know, social distancing. They have normal, you know, patient-doctor relationships. Um, they don't live in a place that is, you know, uh, has a culture of skepticism and distrust, which makes everything more difficult in the medical setting. So, uh, you know, it feels like a place where the state should absolutely be doing this. The policy side of this is really difficult, where I have to go and say, hey, I'm just a scientist. Uh, can I please? Can you please let me into your prison so that I can so that I can get you thousands of bottles? Um, so yeah, we are. You know, it's it, we we have an obligation to fill the gap that the government has left, but it, it's absolutely you know the role of a functioning state that cares about all of its people to to take action that actually demonstrates that it indeed cares about all of its people, regardless of whether or not they've committed a mistake that that ended up with them being incarcerated. Yeah, thanks for, for sharing all those thoughts. Um, so I think that does it for the questions that I have. Did you have um, anything that you'd like to share with um, people that are listening, um, most of which are members of our, of our chapter? Um, I, I, so I think obviously, you know, you're welcome to um, get plugged in by emailing us. Um, one of the easiest ways to get in contact with us is probably emailing spg at ucsf.edu and letting us know if you want to volunteer. We also definitely need um, GoFundMe if you have the funds to be able to do so to contribute to that. Um, we did take on uh, quite a bit of personal debt to just buy the materials up front and then are trying to recuperate that. And then we're also obviously buying more materials because we want to keep being able to do this work. So, you know, if you could volunteer either your time um, or just or your money, either of those would be really, really helpful for us. Um, and I, I think that's about it. You know, I, I could talk about public health all day, but I don't uh, I don't think that's what people are here for. So, 
Makes sense. Well, this is fantastic work. I'm really glad you took time to um, share what's going on. And I'll get the links to the GoFundMe. And um, if uh, what kind of volunteers are y'all looking for? Is it like anyone that can make it out to like um, a place like in UCSF? Um, do you need like actual like hands on deck to like manufacture stuff? Um, yeah, so we need people who can bottle, stick on labels, um, stick on pamphlets because we also produce educational pamphlets because, you know, we're also distributing to um, people living in public housing complexes and also people in transitional housing and people who are experiencing homelessness. Um, so, so all of those, we try to also distribute information as well as sanitizer. So all those steps art can be done by non-scientists. And if you happen to be a scientist uh, who's listening to this, then we can involve you in the manufacturing of sanitizer itself. Uh, so for safety reasons, we've started to um, be really careful about who we let in the room where we actually manufacture the sanitizer and then kind of separate the bottling labeling process. All right. That makes sense to me. Um, cool. So I'm ready to wrap up. Thank you so much for hopping on the phone and um, bye for now. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. We have over 120 chapters in 49 states. We're an activist organization, not a political party. To become a member, go to dsausa.org. To find out what our local chapter is up to, visit dsasf.org. Our intro music is by Young Chomsky. <laughs>